everyone. I'm Cassidy Bias, and you're listening to Adulting 101, the podcast. This show covers all you need to know about how to survive adulthood and life after college. Today, we're discussing the topic of marriage. Ever wondered what it's like tying a knot and being married as a young professional? Looking for tips and advice on the subject? Say less. Today, I'm bringing in two experts on the matter, Tiffany Fondren and Charmaine Perry-Knights. If you think those names sound familiar, you are correct. Both friends of mine have been on previous episodes before. Tiffany, a physical therapist, and my cousin, was actually with us on season one, episode 10, how to manage student loan debt after college. And Charmaine, a learning and development professional, was with us on season one, episode four, how to switch career paths after college. Tune in for more on their experiences with married life so far. My name's Charmaine Perry Knight. We got married July 3rd of 2020. So it's an interesting story about the original date and where we are now. I am Tiffany Fondren. We got married September 19th of 2020. And very much so like Charmaine, there's an interesting story. Our original date was in April, but definitely happy to have it all behind us now. I'd like for each of you guys to tell me a little bit more about your rearranging of your weddings and everything. What was your journey with that? If you could give a little bit of a background. Our original date was April 18th of 2020. And before COVID even hit the United States hard in February, I got a call from a friend and she was like, hey, I saw on Facebook that your venue closed down. And I was like, there's no way. I won't worry about it. I don't want to like text and drive or get upset while I'm driving. So I waited until I got home. And sure enough, our venue had filed for bankruptcy. And the court date that they had that day, they were told to liquidate all their assets and they had to close. So we lost all of the money we had invested into our venue. We lost tables, chairs, linen, coordinators, our bar. We lost everything a couple months before the wedding. So that was the first thing that happened. After being upset for a period of time, you know, we tried to get back on our feet. We tried to find a new venue. So we were able to find a venue here and get our original date, which was April 18th. And we got a discounted price. So that was nice. And then as we all know, in March, COVID hit us pretty hard and our venue had to close. And they told us that we had two dates that we could pick from, which was July 4th or September 19th. I talked to my grandma, who's a person that I'm super close with, and she told me that September 19th was actually the day that she got married. And so I just felt like that was a sign. And so we picked that date and we went with it. We could not invite all the people that we originally invited, but I think all the people that are near and dear to us were there, including Casby. So that was awesome. Yeah, it really was. It turned out excellent. My mouth is wide open because... I can't imagine the level of stress. Mine was a little bit different. Our initial date was May 3rd, 2020. And I loved it because it's right around Cinco de Mayo. You know, you're just trying to have an extra holiday without a holiday, right? So that was our initial date. And everything started to uh, tighten around February. My birthday is in February. So I was like, oh my God, I still want to be able to celebrate my birthday. Of course, I did it home. And then very early March, I was still able to have my bridal shower. I just did it in the house because we had just bought a house. And I was like, okay, there's nothing in here. 
put tables and chairs up, use your own place because things were starting to close, but it wasn't as serious in the very beginning of March. The day after that, everything closed. I kind of joke with friends and family saying we had the last event of 2020 and everything went dark. You know, all the venues were closing. We got a notice from our initial venue that out of an abundance of caution, you know, that's the verbiage everyone's using now, they had to close it down for several months that they were not doing refunds, but they were more than happy to reschedule you up until December. And I was thinking, if this is just starting, it's not going to be anytime soon. We need to go ahead and just let them know we're going to reschedule for next year. So, you know, I've never sat and had the dream of the white dress and all this. I just knew I'd get married and we would just move forward, right? The most important thing for me is the marriage, not the day of. Nothing wrong with that though. But everything was happening. You know, you start to feel, oh, my day has come. It's gone. Yes, I did mope around the house wearing white, not the dress, but definitely wore white all week that week, even though we weren't getting married that day. And we decided July 3rd. And what we did is we actually had the ceremony right here in the house. And we just had parents and siblings here. So that was, um, I want to say 12 people total, chairs on both sides. I literally walked down the stairs and through my living room and got married in the dining room. (laughs) And the cool part is, so most of our family is from other islands, right? But we knew no one could come because all the borders were closing. So we said, hey, let's go ahead and make this a virtual wedding. I had never seen one before, but I was like, we're going to do this. Set up cameras and just live streamed it on YouTube and told everybody in advance, hey, go to this website. You can watch it. That was on the front row on YouTube. Congratulations again to both of you. And when did you know that you were personally ready to take that next step for yourself? I think there were many moments, but one I can think of is when you start to spend more holidays, you know, holidays are for family. And then if that person is not there, you start to feel like, wow, something is missing. I really miss this person. Not, I want to talk to you. I want to see everyone move. But I'm like, wow, they're really supposed to be here with me and they're not here. And you start to miss them and feel a little sick almost. I know that sounds really cliche, but I would say, you know what? The holiday is not the holiday without this person here. You need that individual next to you. That's excellent. That's a good way to put it. Uh, What about you, Tiffany? How did you know that you were personally ready to get married? When I was in the process of getting placed for my internship for PT school. So this was a six-month internship and I knew that it had to be out of state, which means I could have went anywhere. At the time, Jeremy and I were dating. It was still early. Like we were right at one year, uh, maybe right over a year. And I told him this beforehand. I was like, hey, the six-month internship is going to come at this time. I completely understand. And at that point, I didn't know if it was going to be something that ended or something that was going to go to long distance. And I remember the day that I got placed, I got placed in North Carolina and I was super upset because I wanted to get placed in Dallas because I knew that he had friends there and that would be an easier place for him to come visit or to potentially move to. Um, And then when I went over to see him that night, he had this huge sign that said, because you're so awesome, we get to move to North Carolina. And so that was just one moment. This is going somewhere. Not necessarily at that moment, like, oh, I'm getting married tomorrow. But I knew that we had a brighter and bigger future together than just dating. Man, you both have me over here just like, oh, <laughs> we're our similar people like <laughs> They exist, but nobody realizes it. that persons in your DMs are closer than you think. And we look past them because we're looking for this 10 out of 10 person on your list. 
when the reality is that doesn't exist, you know, you got to figure out what's most important to you and let that stand out. Maybe it's not six foot six. The height is not as important, but the heart is more important. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What were the top three things that you were looking for as far as a partner? I have to be honest, after a while I stopped looking, I was just like, let's just let it happen, right? And it was more so, um, what's their level of patience? What are they going to look like as a dad, right? Are they going to be patient enough to let somebody paint their nails and ride their back across the room? Because there's a level of patience some people have with children and elders that most don't have. And to me, that was really important that they would be able to care for aging parents at some point. Someone with a kind heart, that was really important too. Um, And helpful, right? That they would do small things that you need them to do without it being a big to-do. I took a lot of stuff off my list many years ago. I said, you know what? I have more things of what I know is a deal breaker for me than things that I say they must have. So certain stuff, I'm like, oh no, not dealing with that. Ooh, Like someone with um, no ambition. That's a big one. No ambition or not career driven, no motivation. I guess you could call that lazy. Got to have some drive. And health is important too, right? They don't have to be in the best shape, but they need to make their health a priority. And then of course, their relationship with God. That's important to me. A big deal breaker for me was smoking. Throw my hands up and high five, okay? That was a deal breaker for me. I just can't. I have found that when you have things that are deal breakers and you like overlook those things for whatever reason, I feel like later it'll come back to get you. When you are going through a rough patch or having that hard time or not seeing eye to eye, the little things that normally wouldn't annoy you probably annoy you. So that that deal breaker is going to come back to just kind of bite you. It's going to rear its ugly head because it was already something that you've been kind of putting under the carpet, putting under the rug, ignoring for whatever reason. And so I feel like if you go through those rough patches, it would make it harder for you to overcome those things acceptance and compromising. First, what are your definitions for each of you of um, both of these two terms? So acceptance, for me, that's, I hate to use the word in the definition, but you are accepting the way it is. So you have the choice in the beginning to accept that. And I feel like once you accept something about a person, you are putting aside your right to be upset about that thing that you are accepting, whatever that may be. And then compromising is just meeting in the middle. You know, it may be something that still makes you frustrated or is a little annoying to you, but it needs to be somewhere where you have middle ground where you can move forward together about a topic. And I feel like both of those things are very important in a relationship. And I feel like if you establish the things that you are accepting and the things that you are compromising on, then you'll be fine. Like you will be happy when it comes to those things that you guys don't see eye to eye on. Acceptance, right? I think of my wife and kids, there was this episode, I, you know, I love the show still, but there was this episode where they were both really doing things to annoy each other and they went to counseling and the counselor gave them the advice to say, I can accept that and my heart is still open. And it became really funny with the things that they were doing. So they would say, you have to tell the other person what's occurring that is rubbing you the wrong way and then say, this is what it is. Make them aware. And the other person had to say, I can accept that and my heart is still open to you. It became really funny. And so when I think of acceptance, it's making the other person aware or them making you aware of what you're doing 
And then you think, okay, I'm either going to work on that or I recognize this is where you are or where I am. It's really hard. It's really hard to hear things about yourself that you thought they were fine. And then for someone else, it's just like, whoa, okay, I didn't know that you were experiencing that me that way. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's good stuff. Now, the compromise piece, I feel like everything is a compromise because I'm used to doing it my way. He's used to doing it his way, but we made an agreement that, okay, we're going to talk about how we both see it, meet in the middle and do something very different. So nobody wins. It's not about winning anymore. It's how can we agree and just move past that? We're both going to own this new area. In both of your relationships, do you really feel like you are actually coming to that middle ground? Like the same amount of happy when you're coming down to a decision? Or is it more like you're just going with what the other person wants from time to time and that overall switch back and forth? This was something that we talked about in premarital counseling. We talked about things that really bothered us about the other person. And then we had to go home for a week and write down in a notebook ways that we would compromise or brainstorm ways that we could compromise on these topics. The one that comes to mind the most is I hate, I hate so much putting gas in my car. I will drive until it is one mile into empty or blinking zero. I do not like putting gas in my car. And for Jeremy, he was born and raised in the country. So he was always told, you know, you don't come home unless you have at least a half a tank of gas. Because if an emergency happens in the middle of the night, that may be what you need to get into the city and back home and then back to the city to get gas the next day. But that really bothers him. That was one thing that he brought up that it really bothers him that I leave my car on E. So in the beginning, it was like, well, fine, I'll just put gas in my car then. And that was the compromise. But it didn't make me happy because putting gas in my car, it just could ruin my whole day. So now our compromise is that when, like if we're out on the weekend or we're together on the weekends or he sees that my gas is getting low, he'll say, hey, let's stop by the gas station so I can put gas in your car for you. And that doesn't mean that he's paying for the gas. That just means that he is taking the burden of me having to pump my own gas off of me. He's happy. I'm happy. I'm not running out of gas. So same kind of thing. We did the premarital counseling, which I think everybody should do because the tools that they give you, no one will tell you. Absolutely. Counseling is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful tool. I use the analogy of a plumber. You never see them with one tool. They have an old rusty bag with like 42 tools and they're new, old, some stuff you have never seen, but they have all the tools possible so that they can use it when they need it. You have more tools. And we did that same activity where you're looking at things that you love about each other and write those down. You know, you write down a long list of each other, what you love. And then you have to write down the things that um, cause a little bit of tension. You're like, oh, don't write that down, right? I should write that down, right? For me, the most important part was While I still love to do that, I get up super early in the morning. I could wake up when chickens rise, five o'clock in the morning, be up and moving. He likes to sleep in. But I also realized that when I wake up super early, it disturbs his sleep. The compromise is, okay, Shermaine, you love to get up, but keep a book near your nightstand and your glasses so I can read. I can have something to do, but I can still not disturb his sleep at the same time, just trying to be respectful. Well, I'm ready to get out of bed and have my coffee. Let me not do that so early. Let me wait till about seven to get out. That way I can still honor the time, not cause a disturbance, and I can still do what I want to do. And so things like that, you just compromise really because you know it's going to make the other person happier. And so it becomes less about what I want to do 
and more what I can do to help keep the peace and make them happy as well because there's like a whole other person that you have to work with. And it's in your best interest to minimize conflict so that you can have better days and not stressful days. Even though you are thinking of the other individual, thinking of your partner, you're also thinking of yourself as well. That sense of communication is always there. That's the best part of it, right? Um, And I'm an advocate for counseling. Everybody talks about how successful their marriages are, right? Everything worked out. But what I'm always interested to hear is not the problems, but how did you build the bridge past that? How did you guys grow past that conflict? Because that's the stuff we need to learn. So we were fortunate to have a couple who were marriage counselors who are also elders that have been together longer than our lifetime. And they talked about the good, the bad, the ugly, but most importantly, what they learned that nobody taught them. We want to be successful, but I can't be successful if you don't tell me what went wrong and how you fixed it. When we would have our little speed bumps or little bumps in the road, we just had a very difficult time communicating because we were very opposite. He is a very, okay, there's an issue. Let's talk in the moment. Let's, you know, get it done. Let's talk about it and move on. I am a person who I need to like calm down and like collect my thoughts and then let's have an adult conversation about it later and maybe later tonight or in an hour or tomorrow. I don't know when it's going to be, but when I'm ready, I'll come to you and we can talk about it. What premarital counseling gave us was just a visual scale in your head, zero to 10. Five is the happy place. If I'm at a five and you're at a five and there is an issue and we're both at fives, great. Let's talk about it. Five is our happy place. That's right in the middle. That's where we know that we can talk about our issues. And so if we are not at a five, if I'm at a one, which means I'm like on the low end of the spectrum, like I'm just sad. It's not a good time. Like I'm in my feelings. I can't. I'm at a one. Or if I'm at a 10, I'm a hothead and we just cannot talk about it right now. Those numbers let us know, okay, I know that she said, this is what I can do. Or I know that he's upset. Let me give him his space. Like we know how to treat each other when we're sad or angry or upset. That's an instant way for us to give each other, respect each other and our emotions. And then we can still handle the problem later. When you decide that you want to become serious with someone, let alone marry them, you have to accept their entire family. It's not really a choice to say, oh, I don't deal with this person's brother or sister or mom or dad. You have the whole family and that will save a lot of conflict down the road. And conflict's not a bad thing, but it will save like the really bad stuff. Because if you can accept that whole family as is, that's going to help you. Because I really believe having two families supporting each other is what helps a marriage grow. You got to be willing to accept their whole family. If you find that you really care for this person, but you can't stand their family, it's probably not the right person for you. Not because the two of you don't get along, but because You don't just connect with them. You connect with their whole family. I am fortunate to have an amazing mom-in-law. She's just like a second mom. Before I ever knew Andre, she was like a second mom. She was at my college graduation. She's been around for a long time. I'm grateful for that. But to have someone and to really see them as an ally, and if you have some type of tension to work through it and say, hey, well, because we've had moments and I'm like, hey, no, 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 that's not what I was saying. I meant to say this, but oh, okay. And then we have some cake, we move it along, right? It's important to talk about those things because if not, like the girl and his mom, like that's never going to go well. It is super important to accept the entire family because it'll take your marriage a long way. And it makes the other person feel happier to know they're not in between two women or two men 
how good is it that they know they can bring different, the family they chose and the family they were born into in the same room and they could just sit and smile knowing that their mom and their wife get along. That makes it easier on him. And so that's part of my thing. I'm saying, you know what? I know when I love her and she knows and loves me, but years down the line, we want to be even closer so that when the next generation comes, they can look up and see the great relationships that we have. And that will help everybody to have stronger bonds. Disclaimer, disclaimer, you still have to draw the line. Don't let your husband or your wife's family get into your personal business in your marriage. There are certain things that I truly believe should stay inside of your marriage and between you and your spouse. There are lines to draw, even though you have those great relationships. Well said, right there, okay? And they teach you this in premarital counseling, certain things you have to keep away from others because the person who knows and loves you will quickly forgive you, but they will never forget what you told them about the other person. And that shapes their opinion of the other person. And then after a while, they don't want to deal with that person. And you've forgiven them. You've moved on. You forgot all about it. And it's in the front of their mind and it's right on their heart. And they're ready to pounce on that person on your behalf when you were just venting in the moment. So don't vent to people in your family. As far as finances in general, how did money management change for both of you when you got married? Yeah. So for me, it's a little different to always talk about money because you're used to spending the way you want to spend before you got married. Even though you're dating somebody, it's still your own money. Once you get married, you know, we start talking about what it looks like and how to bring our finances together, making our plans of how we're going to invest, how we're going to save, how we're going to pay down on the little bit of debt we have, right? These real honest conversations that you have to trust the other person. But more importantly, agreeing on a number of, um, we, we picked a number, like an arbitrary number of maybe $100. If you spend more than that to talk to the other person, not that you're asking for permission. That's not it. It's a respect thing. So you can say, hey, I'm thinking about buying this or you know, whatever money you're pulling, you're saying it costs more than this. And I just wanted to let you know, this is what I was thinking of doing. And it just becomes really respectful because why? You want the other person to do it. It's a lot of conversations about finance and that's not something I had ever done with somebody dating. Do you have a joint account? We decided to open up because we had different banks too, right? I used the credit union, he used the bank. We decided that we're going to migrate them slowly over to the credit union. Why? Because better interest rates, no fees. I mean, you know, just the obvious perks. In 24 hours, somebody answers the phone. Like, that's awesome. So shout out to Navy Federal Credit Union. I mean, we're the best. The best. <laughs> so we decided, hey, what does it look like? So we opened up joint checking and joint saving as well. And then to agree on how much of our individual accounts we put in the joint account. Again, something really different than what you're doing. So you have to really trust that other person that they're going to do what you're doing. You trust them, but you got to, sometimes trust is actions. You got to see it and monitor it. And how do you decide who pays bills together? Who hits the button on it? Are we going to pay them online only? Or are we sending checks? I mean, just the tiniest little things you're constantly thinking about. Like, I don't write checks. He likes to write checks. Again, who's going to handle it? Are you sharing it together? It's, it's a lot of random thoughts. And Tiffany knows. I agree with everything that she just said, which is why I don't think we are putting it off. I think we have just been talking through all of those points about opening a joint bank account. So we officially don't have one yet, but we just bought a house together. I mean, that's a huge purchase. Both of our names are on it. 
And so all those conversations have started. Okay, how do we pay the mortgage? Is somebody going to pay this bill and you pay this bill? Or are we just going to get this joint bank account and pay it out of there? I mean, what's best? What does that look like for us? What works best? And so we haven't even been in our house long enough to have that first round of bills come through. So it's still a work in progress for us. We do have the advantage that we live together in an apartment before we moved here. And so we have a system that worked in that apartment that we used that worked very well. However, now we're like, well, we have the same last name and we can have the same bank account and we can get checks and pay these bills all these different ways. And so we are trying to find out what works best for us as far as saving, investing, looking at the future, looking at starting a family. And so it just has to be budgeted more wisely. And so we are using some of the concepts that we learned in um, Dave Ramsey's course. I think we talked about that a little bit last time, Caspi. Yeah. And so we still have his book. We still have all those tools in our back pocket. And so our first step is completing baby step number one. And so that's something that we want to get accomplished early this year. And I think that will be kind of our blueprint, if you will say, to starting this you know, married couple financial responsibility journey. Dave Ramsey is where it's at. Definitely agree with that. And trying to do things a little bit different than what you've known to be traditional. People say, oh, the man's supposed to pay everything. Well, that may work for some people. Oh, oh, you're supposed to split everything 50-50. That may work for some people. But really sitting down and saying, well, what do we want to do, right? Aside from all the other influence, what do we want to do and how do we keep it just between us? Has that factored into either of your relationships of Like, oh, the man's supposed to do this, the woman's supposed to do that, especially when it comes to finances. So you always have the, um, I guess, unspoken rules you grew up with, right? Or the things in your community or in your culture, in our generation, we know it's unspoken, right? You're supposed to cook and clean. He's supposed to get out and make the bread and all this kind of stuff. It waters down to some degree, but everybody has their own bias of what they want in a relationship or what they think they want financially. But then when it comes together, you realize that list is so long. This doesn't even make sense. Where did this come from? And why am I thinking like this? As opposed to saying, all right, scrap that. Scrap what you know. Let's block out all the noise and say, what do we want to do? What do we think is going to help us? And that's why I like what Tiffany was saying. It took a course together and decided, this is what we're going to do. And it's probably very different than what you grew up knowing because um, financial literacy is not something that's shared in many communities. I'm unlearning a lot of things that, you know, you hear over the years, you think sound good, but in reality, it's just fluff. The whole fluff that also includes like a lack of communication and stories that may not have been told to you as well. So, But I think it's the same way for anything, right? If you went out to dinner with someone, there's an unspoken rule, if you will, of who's going to pay, who's going to drive, how it's going to look. And I've always been the thought, the one that said, you know what, I want to do this differently. So when I went out on dates, I would say, let's do activity dates and not have food. Because I don't want anybody to feel like they must buy me anything. If you want to, that's nice. But let's have activity dates. One, I'm completely free of anything you think. And two, you don't have to pay for anything. Like, let's go for a ride. Let's go have coffee. Let's walk around. You know, I mean, ride a bike, not ride in your car. And just have something very separate. So you create your own rules. Yeah, create your own rules. Mike, drop. <laughs> that same level of understanding you want the person to have for you from your life, your experiences, and all the things you've been through or not been through, you need to have it for them. Give yourself and others some grace, but 
that seems to be the theme of the year. The biggest thing that I think I've learned in this short journey so far of being married is that people change and people grow. The person that you marry or that you started dating, how many ever years ago is not going to be the same person in two or three years. And I think it's important that if you want to continue to have a successful relationship with your spouse, that you are willing to grow. And back to that word acceptance, right? You have to have this acceptance and this compromise as that person is growing and changing. My expectation is for him to grow with me and love me as I grow. Charmaine and Tiffany, I cannot thank you both enough for being on this episode of Adulting 101. And as always, thank you audience for listening. I'm Caspi Bias. Talk to you next time. Remember to subscribe to Adulting 101, the podcast, and follow me on social media, LinkedIn at Caspi Bias, or on Instagram at C-A-S-B-I-A-S. Adulting 101 is part of C-Bias Productions. For more podcasts, please visit Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Thank you.